and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is Monday, April 22nd, and it has been a while. Uh, if you are a new listener, my name is Chris, joined as always by my co-host, Pat. And Pat, I feel like that's becoming my new intro. It has been a while. Yeah, well, you know, just the, the busy schedule of life to, to, you know, socialite young men living in Los Angeles. We don't always have time for you people. Yeah, uh, if you could send your thoughts and prayers our way, we would appreciate it. Um, but jokes aside, we're back. Very, very excited. A lot going on in the Penn State world. Um, and offseason is always tough. There's there's not as many storylines. Um, I won't promise you that we'll get a routine figured out in the offseason because I make promises all the time to you guys that I don't keep. But I will promise by the time season comes, we'll have some sort of a regular schedule. We'll, I don't know, recaps on Sundays, previews on Wednesdays, something to yeah. that effect. Or at least we'll try. Um, but yeah, lots to talk about. Obviously, uh, Penn State Wrestling, National Championship. You're going to give us some lowdown on that a little bit later. Uh, Blue-white game. Um, but I think, you know, won't bury the lead here. Biggest storyline that we have to get into. Um, possibly the biggest off-season storyline in, in a while at Penn State. Uh, nobody saw it coming. Came out of nowhere. It was just a random Friday night. And the Jonas Brothers just showed up to Penn State. Yes. With their wives through a ridiculous concert at Champs downtown and where I used to work. Where Pat used to work. So me, myself, and the uh, the lady of Winterfell have worked behind the same bar. This is true. You and Sansa Stark. We have wow. poured liquor behind the same bar. I mean, that's pretty cool. Uh, okay, jokes aside, I actually do want to talk about the Jones Brothers, so we will save that for later in the show. But the real story is Tommy Stevens is transferring from Penn State, so... There were a million things to break down. Did a quick little video when the when the news broke, but oh, but by the way, we, this seems to be like the the news is that he's transferring. He's in the portal. Yeah, but it, it came out. His dad said he's definitely leaving. Okay, so, yeah. Okay. So it's, it's yeah. No, that, that's a good that's a good tip. Just so for everyone who's maybe not as in tune, once you put your name in the portal, you don't have to leave. It just means you can explore. Um, but I think once he once he put his name in, it was kind of a given anyway, just because of the overall circumstance and situation. As a quarterback, I think it's a lot harder to like think about leaving, going, exploring, and then come back and and still expected to be the leader. I think that's a little bit different than a guy like Lamont Wade or Cam Sullivan Brown. Those guys, yeah. they went in, they came back, and you know Lamont Wade's fighting for a starting spot right now at safety. So like things work out. I think for a quarterback, it's a little different. Um, but his dad did confirm that you know it's 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 time, and he's gonna he's gonna look elsewhere. Um, he definitely won't be coming back to Penn State, uh, and it sucks. So I, I you know I kind of gave some of my initial thoughts, but that's where I want to start. Is what's your what's your initial reaction? Where's your headspace at? Um, I mean, I remember when when you texted it to me, my initial my immediate reaction was this is good bad news. Um, it's bad news because we you know we all were rooting for Tommy a lot. We're big fans of his. And we wanted so badly to see him, after all the loyalty he's shown Penn State, to be able to come back for his senior year and lead us to like a really great season. The bad news is that's not happening. Yep. The good news is apparently that's not happening because our true sophomore quarterback is he true sophomore, right? Uh, redshirt sophomore. Redshirt so sophomore. This will be his third year. Our sophomore quarterback looks so good that he seems to have won the starting spot in spring ball. Yeah, so I got a couple different sections that we're going to break down. So we'll go through the reasoning and the timing, uh, what the outlook for Tommy is, and then what the outlook for for Sean Clifford and and our team is. And kind of what I'll say before we go into any of that is we don't know all the facts yet. There's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of, you know, did Sean win it? Did Franklin say, hey, I can't guarantee it's a starting job? You know, we don't know what it is. Um, Obviously, I I said it in in the quick reaction video, we love Tommy. We wish him the best. I hope he succeeds wherever he goes. It just, like you said, it sucks because 
this has been like a buildup, you know, it's been, it's been season after season. Okay. He's the lion, you know, or even going back further, he's, you know, duking it out with trace after Hackenberg left. And yeah, if you remember, they said it was a very close battle, right? And obviously, Trace <laughs> won that battle and, you know, set all kinds of records. But who knows what could have happened had, had Tommy won that one. So we've kind of been waiting to see it. You know, he steps into this lion role. He's he's the do-it-all. Everyone kind of loves him. Everyone talks about how he's such a loyal teammate. Uh, thinks about transferring last season, which honestly would have made sense for him, right? He can go. Uh, I don't know if he would have been eligible immediately because I think he just graduated this December. Um, but he would have been able to go to another school, learn the playbook and then, you know, have his time. Um, but he decided to stay, decided to stay, be Trace's backup, be the lion, uh, and kind of wait for his turn. And unfortunately injuries then set in, um, this past season, he missed, I think the first four games with an injury, um, came back, wasn't, wasn't able to be completely a hundred percent, uh, and then decided he had to, or not decided, but had to have another surgery after the season. And he missed the bowl game due to that. Um, and that's sort of what's still lingering is he didn't play in the blue white game and he's been limited in spring because of this foot injury. I think it is. Um, and like you said, Clifford has, has kind of taken advantage of that. So the, the people on, on Twitter, the, the loud minority, because I think, I think most people are kind of in our mindset of we love Tommy. It, it sucks. Um, but some of the, some of the, you know, the trolls on Twitter are like, well, why would he do this now? It's so selfish. Like, you know, we were so excited. First of all, fuck your excitement. Selfish. Like, yeah. Like kid's going to do what he's got to do. Um, but I think the timing has to do with like, you know, he, he hasn't been able to play all spring and Clifford has shown it at the very least that it could be more of a real competition. Like, I don't know if he's outright won it, but I think, you know, they have these, uh, after the blue and white game, they have like exit interviews with all the players, Franklin and their position coach go through like, Hey, where, where they feel they're at, what they need to work on. And I'm guessing, you know, maybe that conversation went something like, Hey, you know, we want you to be the number one. And, and Franklin even said it back in like, I don't know, January, February said like going into spring, Tommy, you'll be our number one, but he's got to get healthy. So I'm guessing this conversation went something like, listen, you're still working your way back. Sean's playing really well. We've got to do some sort of competition to see how this is all going to shake out. Yeah, and the fact of the matter is, if you you know he wants to be an NFL quarterback. Exactly. Uh, to be an NFL quarterback, you can't be a backup in your senior season. You just can't. No chance. Like it, it, it doesn't happen. And and that's the tough part is like you almost wonder. And I, I hate to play the game of what if because you can't change the past. But like if this injury isn't there, like is it is it a clear Tommy's the number one? It's his team, and and no matter how good Sean plays, like Franklin's going to be loyal to him because we've seen Franklin be loyal like to a fault in the yeah, past with to his seniors especially. And we've talked about that how he's played you know some of the seniors over the young guys, and you know I, I wonder if that would have been the case, and the injury really changes it. Um, but that being said, you know, if, if this is going to go all the way into the summer, I think I was reading an article that uh, when when Trace and Tommy were battling it out, they made the decision. It was like 10 days before the first game. Tommy can't afford that right now. Like This is last year. So, um, yeah, I, I think it, I think it's funny to see like a lot of us, myself included, who are like getting on Franklin for being overly loyal and playing Koa Farmer over Micah Parsons and keeping the you know the older wide receivers in when we had a stable of young guys now it's like god damn it the one time i want you to be unbelievably loyal yeah. and just give it to tommy the one time i would have been okay with it yeah and it's like that that's the part that sucks because if and and again we hope this does come true if tommy goes and just balls out somewhere absolutely crushes it becomes an nfl starter it's like well shit that could have been us right yeah 
So, I mean, I hope that happens. And, and on the flip side, I hope Sean Clifford is incredible, too. Yeah. Um, well, this year, I, th- I think Sean's going to make up for that Heisman snub of last season. I, st- I mean, what was a passer rating of like 399 yeah. or something? Like, Kid was perfect. He, w- he was literally perfect. <laughs> um, all right, so let's, let's pivot that into outlook for, you want to start with Tommy or you want to start with Sean Clifford and Penn State? Um, we'll start with Tommy. And then we'll, we'll start with over. Tommy. Okay, so Tommy Stevens, uh, like I said, in the portal, going to go somewhere else. Um, a lot of people forget he was committed to Indiana. He was he was ready to go to Indiana. He's from Indiana, right? Yeah, yeah, hometown. Um, and <coughs> man, who knows? Again, kind of playing the what if game. Had he actually stayed there, who knows what his career would have been like, right? Maybe he would have been a three year starter in, in the NFL already. Um, but you know, he he was committed to Indiana. We, we, as in Penn State, because I'm on the staff, I can say we. Of course. <laughs> uh, reached out to him after Brandon Wimbush decommitted from Penn State. So, like, the reason of, like, it's funny, like, we think of Tommy as, like, such an integral part of the team. Because he has been. Like, he truly has been. But it's just, like, such a weird sequence of events that led him there. And, like, I think it's safe to say he might be, like, the most beloved Penn Stater to never start a game at his own true position. Yeah. I think I think that might be fair to say. Um, but he, he was committed to Indiana, flipped to us, has waited his chance. So this is his last season. He's, this will be his fifth year. He's got one year of eligibility left. And like you said, he wants to go to the NFL. Um, a couple of teams that, that have been sort of linked to him yet. Um, Mississippi State, they just graduated their um, starting quarterback. And Joe Moorhead is head coach there. Tommy knows the offense, can run that RPO. Uh, what would your thoughts be if he ends up with Joe Mo? I would love that. Um, you know, he's not going to anyone who would be like a rival to us. Um, and, and you did see him with an, you know another guy we're huge fans of in Joe Moorhead, and watch him. You know, see what a, a Big Ten guy can do in the SEC. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I I, I I'm silently rooting for that one. Like obviously, Tom is going to go wherever the best shot is for him. Um, and that's the thing, too. Like, people are saying, like, oh, well, he's scared of competition and he's just going to go somewhere where he's guaranteed. That's nothing to do with being scared. Like, it's you got one year to prove yeah. it. Like, you got to. And it's, uh, it wouldn't even shock me if he goes to somewhere where it's not 100% guaranteed, but he's, like, instantly the best guy in the room. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't think it's going to take a coach to say, you are my starting quarterback. Like, I think he'll read the situation and know where he can shine. I don't think Mississippi State could be that one. Uh, a lot of people talking about Louisville. I'll be honest, I have no idea what their situation is, but people say it's trash, so sure, go crush it at Louisville. Uh, And then the other one I see a lot of is uh, UNC. So Mac Brown has recently taken over UNC, trying to turn that program around. I'm sure he's looking for a high-caliber quarterback who can kind of give him that that first impression, Um, which I think would be pretty cool too. You know, know, Mac Brown, legendary coach. Um, UNC has obviously never been a real football school, but I think that'd be cool to see Tommy go tear it up. Yeah. Um, what else? What else for Tommy? Oh, one thing I read too that I thought was interesting in one of his articles um, with Audrey Snyder over the Athletic. I uh, said if there was a transfer portal last year, I would have been in it. Probably would have made things easier for me. So I think one thing that we all look back on, and one of my, like Tommy has some incredible moments on the field. I think my favorite moment of all time is when he tweeted that he was staying using that Wolf of Wall Street. Game. Yeah, that was great. Or the video, rather. It was incredible. I ain't fucking leaving. I ain't leaving. That was absolutely amazing. And, like, to hear it now, like, okay, if there was a transfer portal, he he probably would have been in and explored. And who knows? Like like you said, maybe he wouldn't have left there. Maybe he just would have explored. But, uh, yeah, very, very interesting how much a year changes things and how much debate the transfer portal has gotten. And, and we've talked about this a little bit, and I'm sure we will many, many more times. Um, but from the player side, it does seem to be something that just truly helps them find what the best fit is. 
Yeah, I, I mean, and there, there's so much talk about the coaches are allowed to just leave whenever they want with basically with impunity. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they they do get like they lose a they get fined by like a part of their salary, but then the other school always picks it up. Always. So it it does seem unfair that like the kids who also don't get paid at all then have to sit out a full year. Yeah, and I I do find myself kind of going back and forth on the transfer stuff. Um, I don't want to divulge too much into this, but with like the Justin Fields and the Tate Martells, and they're they're all getting granted immediate eligibility. Uh, NCAA just actually changed some of the rules. Like if you enroll, if you enroll early and a coach leaves prior to like X time frame, you can leave with immediate eligibility. Makes sense. Like, yeah, it it they're constantly evolving it, and I I go back and forth on like which one I think is right, and again, I think it's probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, but in this situation, I'm just like, like I said, it's, it wasn't the right situation for Tommy and I'm happy he's able to go and play somewhere immediately. And, and you know, it, it, the transfer portal makes it easy because he can openly explore that. Right. Like you said, he still technically could come back to Penn state. It's not going to happen. Don't get your hopes up. Yeah. But like, it's, it's a good process. And at this point, I'm just hoping I get to see him play on Sundays. Yeah. Completely agree. Completely agree. And I think, I think First thing is get healthy. Make sure that foot is good. Find somewhere that you can ball out and go crush it, dude. Yeah. Tommy, and also you. that we don't have to end up playing against him in a bowl yeah, game. Yeah, that would suck. Or even just—I mean, could you imagine if he ends up at like a Big Ten school, like one of the like lesser Big Ten schools that needs a quarterback? Yeah, I would I wouldn't like suck. that either. That would kind of suck. I would like obviously I'd want Penn State to win, but I'd want, silently be rooting for him. I would uh, not be. No offense, Tommy. I'm a big fan of yours, but I. I would not be rooting for that game. <laughs> it's one of those like, okay, I hope he throws for like four touchdowns but loses. I don't know. Still um, no. It's like when you have a fantasy player on your team from like a team that you hate. Like I had Tom Brady one year. I'm a Jets fan. I was like, I hope he throws for a million yards yeah. and gets crushed. Too many implications about how badly Penn State has to win, though, for, for the playoff picture. Very, We're getting That's off the rails. Anyway, Tommy, we love you. Best of luck to you, man. Open invitation to come on the podcast when everything settles. You can talk through all of it with us. Uh, let's wrap this up with um, Outlook for Penn State. So obviously this changes uh, – uh, any sort of QB competition that we may or may not have had, Clifford's the guy. Like yeah. Franklin hasn't said it yet. I'm sure he will as as soon as he can. But Clifford is now the guy. Uh, will Levis will be his primary backup. And the two freshmen, uh, true freshmen coming in, four stars, both of them will be pushing for that number three spot or maybe challenge for Will Levis for the backup. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Sean Clifford? My thoughts are that if Sean Clifford doesn't win a Heisman Trophy at some point during his Penn State career, I'll cut my dick off. Ladies and gentlemen, first ever, and that I will cut my dick off bet. On not a podcast. promise. <laughs> I, hey, it's, listen, it's on the airwaves. It's, it's true. It's true. Um, I will play this tape back when it happens. Um, okay, Clifford, so obviously the, the number one pro to this, like you said, good, bad news. The, the number one good thing is that you probably get multiple years with Clifford and a young offensive court. And I say probably because this is just me being devil's advocate, but everyone's like, oh, we're getting him for three years. We're getting him for three years. Dude, if he wanted to, he could leave after this year. Yeah. Now, before you jump down my throat, I'm not going to say he is, but theoretically, this is his third year. Shit, if he comes out and crushes it, who's to say he doesn't go, yeah, right? Wins the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, hey, listen, if you win the Heisman, you win a natty, go for it. Or even if you're like... Which is obviously what's going to happen. Yeah, 100%. Um, well, think about it. Uh, Ohio State guy, Dwayne Haskins, started one year, crushed it, now he's going to be a first-round pick. Boom. Do I think that's going to happen with Clifford? No, but that's not because I don't believe in him. I just, you know, it's kind of rare. Um, I think we have him for two years, is what I think. I, I think, would agree. I think you get a really good year out of this because um, he's a talented kid. Like, he's a, like, we joke about the Heisman thing, but we've seen him throw a deep ball. It's really good, right? We've seen him in limited actions. So you, don't, you don't necessarily know how he's going to manage a game, but 
What's yeah. really impressive, though, is to see a kid come in and make one throw and it's a deep ball like that. Because those are generally throws that t- you have to get into a rhythm. True. Um, you know, to just come in, in the middle of a game where everyone else is in step and you just throw that pass. Yeah. And I, I think the only other side to that is probably it's like it's it's probably fairly scripted and he knows his read and he knows he's going long on those. Yeah, sure. But yes, absolutely. Come in cold. You have to, you know, just ice in your veins for that. Um, but I think we get him for two years. <coughs> and I, I, I mean, you look at the the young core and there's some guys that I won't name. There's plenty more. But but to start it off, you, you have Clifford at QB. Your wide receivers are KJ Hamler, Justin Shorter, Jahan Dotson. Your tight ends are Pat Fryermuth, legend, and probably Zach Kuntz. Um, Nick Bowers will be the backup this year, but it's his final year. I'm talking about the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, running backs, Ricky Slade, uh, Noah Kane has been crushing it in spring brawl, Devin Ford, uh, Journey Brown, CJ Holmes. You, you just got so much talent there. Yeah, it's going to take time. He's got running back talent for like the next decade. It's insane. It really is. Um, a couple of up-and-coming offensive linemen. Like, it's going to take a little bit for them all to gel. But the idea is if you get two years of all these guys, and, I mean, KJ could theoretically leave after this year, too. It's his third year. But let's assume they all stay. That's pretty damn good to see that offense mature year over year. And that's what a lot of people yeah. are looking to is, hey, this year will be sort of the rebuild, reload, and then next year it's natty time. Yeah. I'd be a little surprised if any of those guys leave after the season. Yeah, and like I said, K- KJ and Clifford are really the only ones who could. Um, I think everyone else, uh, yeah, yeah, everyone else is is true sophomore or less. Um, and here, here's how I'll play it: is if if KJ and Clifford are going to the NFL, that means we had an unbelievable season. Yeah, that's true. So like, it's almost like okay, I'll take that. You know, if, if we go out and we just we're in the college football playoff and they both go, sure, take it. More realistic scenario is we have a semi-average, maybe slightly above-average season, and, and we get all those guys back for another year. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Like, we'll, we'll talk more about um, you know some of the other things about how this offense looks and what it means for, for this. You know, What's our uh, over-under for how many games we're going to win set at? It's like eight and a half, right? Yeah, I think we talked about it on the on the last show, and it's, it's way too early. Like, things are going to change. Um, it's a great segue, though. So we'll do a quick Penn State pick them here, our gambling segment. Over-under, I think was... It was either eight and a half or nine. It was somewhere in that general vicinity. And obviously, we were talking about hammering the over. Got it. No moves are going to be made just yet because still Tommy hasn't found a new place. And quite frankly, odds makers probably aren't overly looking at the Penn State football situation just yet. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me to see that drop. Um, I think if you're an over better like us, you're, you're probably looking forward to seeing that drop into maybe eight flat, maybe seven and a half if they're getting real worried. Um but but I, I, even seven and a half, that just seems way too low. I, th- I think eight is kind of like the bubble. And, and we'll talk about our, our predictions and projections for this team. But like eight and four seems like we'll be slightly disappointed, but it kind of sounds about right. You know, kind of sounds like, yeah, struggling, not struggling, but a, a eight and four with the bowl win. Yeah. Like new, new offense, replacing tons of starters everywhere. Um, new QB. It's like, yeah, like it, it wouldn't shock me if that's the case. So still going to hit the over, but. Keep an eye out for that line, and, and I'll let you guys know when that changes. Um, if you're a crazy futures better, national championship odds, I think last time we talked, they were at 75 to 1. If I'm an odds maker, I'm shooting that up to like 90, 100, just because people like me are, are idiots and be like, oh, hell yeah, 100 bucks, <laughs> done, baby, let's go. done. Um, and they'll just make all of the money. So expect that one to go up. Um, but yeah, I'll probably try to win some in like, you know, Big Ten East or Big Ten odds because those will be. We'll be we'll be a long shot enough. Like it wouldn't surprise me if you know Big Ten East is typically 
Ohio State, us, and Michigan, right? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't surprise me if we're like the fourth. In Michigan or fifth. State. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me if we're the fourth or fifth option in the in the betting odds. Um, so there will probably be some value there, and, and we'll take a, uh, a you know a deeper look into that as it gets a little closer. By the way, is it a uh, is it time for the Big Ten to get rid of divisions? <laughs> it's, I think we just found another one of our off season topics. Uh, there, we could do a whole episode on that. Uh, short answer. Yes. Yes. Hundred uh, percent. Yeah. I just it. At least in the way that you have it right now, it doesn't make sense. Um, and I don't know if I even love a shakeup, like just because people have talked about that, like okay, split up Ohio State and Michigan, or you know, Ohio State and Penn State. Because and you, one, you do want to keep Michigan those rivalry State. games. Yeah, exactly. I, I want to either play Ohio State or Michigan or Michigan State every season. I want to play two out of those three teams every single season. Yeah, and right now we're playing all of them, yeah. right? Because we're in the same. What are we in the East or whatever? Legends, leaders. Take it back a couple of years ago. Yeah, how terrible was that? Do you remember that? I liked it. It's fucking awful. Um, yeah, I, I, I think we'll see that in the next couple of years, though. Um, but I think that's it on the on the Tommy situation. Anything uh, anything else that, that you want to talk through? Uh, not really. All right, Tommy, we wish you the best of luck. Um, I had a bunch of quotes from his dad. It, read an article. It's on The Athletic. We shout her out all the time. We're going to get her on the podcast eventually. Audrey Snyder does a fantastic job. There's an article, a um, bunch of quotes from Tommy, from his dad, kind of throughout this whole last couple of months about the situation. And, and overall, just is... Obviously, this isn't the way anyone planned on it going, and at this point, they're going to do what they got to do to get Tommy a shot, and we wish him the best of luck. Absolutely. All right, moving on. Uh, quick blue and white game. Um, did you watch it all? My guess is going to be no. No. You know I don't do preseason sports. <laughs> if you're a new listener, Pat despises preseason sports, thinks they are the most useless thing in the world, and... I don't. I don't stray too far from that thought. Like I don't. I don't put a lot of stock in the blue-white game. We're gonna spend maybe five to ten minutes talking through this. Um, I, I, I should clarify: preseason results are Fair. the most useless thing in sports. Fair. Yes. Preseason sports are very important for guys trying to make roster spots. Uh, they're very important for guys trying to get starting positions, and they're important for guys, um, established guys, to warm up and get where they need to be for the season. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. But. As the, far the as the blue team winning twenty seven yeah. seven. As far as looking at scores or stats, useless. <laughs> all right, so let's let's go over a couple of highlights. Um, I, wa- I watched the highlights. I watched all the inter- like the interviews afterwards. Um, didn't watch the actual game because I was at Coachella. Not a big deal. Like I'm really cool. We don't have to talk about it. But basically, an influencer. Um, now you guys get to know why there's been no episodes. <laughs> I'm Chris a little busy, guys. I'm a little busy. A um, couple of things to highlight. Noah Kane, running back. I mentioned him. We've mentioned him a couple times now. Um, he's been one that you've heard a lot of buzz in the spring. And for the last couple of years, the guy that you hear them talk about in the spring typically breaks out. Uh, a couple of years ago, they talked about Jawan uh, a whole lot when he had his first good year. Um, last year, they were talking about Jahan Dotson. They were talking, I think, a little bit about Yeter. And whoever they're highlighting a lot typically has you know, at least some good playing time. And, and Noah Kane is that guy. So he's a, uh, one of our running back commits. If you remember, we have two top 10 running back commits in this class, Noah Kane and Devin Ford. Noah Kane enrolled early. Devin Ford has not. Ergo, Noah Kane has a leg up. Um, so James Franklin said a lot of times his runs aren't overly sexy, but he's getting yards and falling forward. He doesn't try to be someone he's not. He gets north and south and goes at 100%. He'll get bigger, stronger, et cetera, and we'll coach him on that, but he knows who he is, which is great. Um, if you watch him run, he's, he runs with purpose. Like The dude is hes more Miles Sanders than he is Saquon Barkley, but he is a hard-nosed runner, and he's just going to move the chains. Um, and his, he's been very, very open and vocal about, like, I want to come in, I'm going to play for three years, get to the NFL. And, and shit, he's, he's starting to make an impact pretty early on. 
Yeah, and I think that like hard nosed downfield runner would be a great uh, sort of a compliment to Ricky Slade, who's the shifty guy, yep. who's got the moves. He's a little flashy. Yeah, I think the two of them together in the backfield could be uh, just a great one-two punch, a little thunder and lightning. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm really excited. Like you said earlier, we do have like running back depth for for <coughs> days. So like the, the room itself, it's Ricky Slade who is the presumptive starter and and should be. Um, you've got Journey Brown who was a nice compliment last year and speedster. Noah Kane who's on campus as an early enrollee. Devin Ford who is the other um, you know top top running back in this class. And then a lot of times people forget we got a transfer last year, C.J. Holmes from, from Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Yeah. Yep. And he had to sit Kid out with a year. lot of talent. A lot of talent. He came in as like a four-star, I think. Um, maybe five-star, but definitely a four-star at least. Had to sit out last year because this is before the transfer portal, so he had to lose a year of eligibility. But he's been around the program. He's now had a year to learn the playbook, learn the offense. Like, it, it's almost it's almost one of those things where you're like kind of spoiled with riches because like, I want to see Noah Kane on the field. I want to see Devin Ford on the field. And you're like, wait, wait, wait. But what, uh, what about this other guy, CJ Holmes? He might be really good. Yeah, it's almost like we've got too much talent running back. Which is a good problem to have, right? Injuries happen. Things happen where p- people don't play up to the level you thought they were going to. Mm-hmm. Good problem to have, but a highlight from the spring has definitely been Noah Kane. Really, really looking forward to, to seeing what he's going to do. Um, other biggest highlight from the day, uh, scholarship awards. So I don't know if you saw this, Dan Chesna, Chesna, I don't know how to say his last name. Um, wide receiver, he started his career as a walk-on with the football team. He was an uh, all-state sprinter in track in high school. So after a year or two of football, said, you know what, I'm going to go run track. Went over to the track team. They gave him a scholarship. Fucking sick. And he was a pretty good runner, too. I looked up some of his stats. And then he said, no, I miss football. I'm a football guy. I'm going back to football. So he went back to football, gave up his track scholarship to come back to football as a walk-on. I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you've seen the clip by now. Really cool. uh, In the blue and white game, Will Levis throws up a bomb. It's like a, I don't know, 40-something yard touchdown, maybe more. Uh, Scores the touchdown and then over the loudspeaker. Dan Chesna, you've just been awarded a full scholarship and the whole team jumps on him. It's a really cool way to do it. That is cool. Um, one thing I thought about, and this is the cynic in me, do you think they, they tell the DB like, Hey, we're going to do this. Like, let, let him burn you real quick. No, I don't think so. No, it just happened. Like, what if he doesn't have that touchdown? How do you do it? I'd probably just tell him after the game. Which <laughs> <laughs> so like, that's so much more anticlimactic. It's like, Oh, by the way, like they just had that in their back pocket. If this dude scores a big touchdown. No, yeah, ex- I think that's exactly because there's, there's no guarantee that the quarterback, make, especially on a deep route like that, quarterback makes the throw. He doesn't drop the ball. It was a really nice throw. So shout out Will Levis. Um, yeah, in my head, I'm like, yo, someone went up to this DB and was like, bro, stumble on this one. And he didn't look too bad. It was like just a quick stumble at the top of the route. So like, I'm thinking there was a little bit of communication there. Um, but either way, he's, he's full, full scholarship now. Um, Franklin said he's got a lot of work to do with technique and fundamentals, but we like where he's at. He's an absolute speedster. Like I said, he's a you know top top of his game sprinter at track. Runs a four three forty, possibly fastest on the team. Uh, I'm definitely definitely going to see him on on special teams, but I'm I'm excited to see what he'll do at wide receiver. Um, I think I think there's opportunity at wide receiver because we are fairly young. I think there's a lot of really talented guys, so you know I don't I don't know if I necessarily expect him to be you know a huge impact, but really cool moment to see him catch a long touchdown, get a scholarship after everything he's been through. That is awesome. 
Uh, a couple others call out Keaton Ellis, true freshman defensive back from State College. He's another one that's been talked up uh, this spring a lot. James Franklin says he's got really natural ball skills. He's confident when the ball is in the air. He's put himself in a really good position to compete for significant time on special teams and defense. Nice. So I think uh, I think that's really cool. And he's one, if you watch his high school tape, dude's just a straight athlete. Like he played wide receiver, played D-back, uh, punt return, kick return. Like he put up video game numbers for State College High, which – I don't know how much that's saying because I don't know State College. State College like, High is a good football is team. Is it? Okay, yes. good. They're, you know they're legit. Better than I do. And he, he's a really, really gifted athlete, so I think that'll be cool when you're looking at the true freshman watch of who's going to burn their red shirt, who's going to play more than those four games. I think he's definitely a guy to look out for. Uh, C.J. Thorpe, if you remember last year, they flipped him over to D-line when we had some injuries. He is back on the offensive line, uh, and Franklin said that that was their plan the whole time. They never never intended to keep him on defense. Um, they said he's going to play for us this year, whether it's starting or not. Could see both him and Miranda playing guard with Gonzalez. So I think you'll have a good rotation there. With the I think you flipped that. They flipped him over to offensive line no, from no. defensive line. No, no, he was an offensive guard. They flipped him to defensive line who'd after they, Hansard got hurt. Right, who'd Fred Who did they change the other way? I don't know. Not anyone last year. Thought there was one. We'll look it up. Stats and info. Can you guys look that up? Yeah. Spoiler alert: We don't have a stats and info department. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll look it up, but I don't think so because I remember last year. Uh, I think it was Fred Hansard went down with a leg injury, and we were really, really uh, short at defensive tackle. So okay. he's he's a big body, mean streak offensive lineman. So they flipped him over. If you remember, he got a, he got a couple of those stupid penalties for us on defense. Yeah. Um, but he'll be back on offensive, which I think is good. We talk about you know losing Connor McGovern, losing Ryan Bates. We're going to need some depth on the offensive line, so good to see him back there. Oh, oh, you're, I, yeah, I, I just got it flipped in my head. It happens, yeah. man. It happens. Uh, <laughs> what else we got? Blue-white. Uh, tight end depth is cool. I mentioned it earlier. Fryermuth is the guy. Obviously, we saw that last year. Um, freshman All-American, I believe. Uh, Nick Bowers, though, was his primary backup, which I think is cool. He is a, a senior. I think this is his last year of eligibility. He had a lot of hype coming in, has been hurt a lot, um, so good to see him healthy. That'll be cool to see them as a one-two punch with with Koontz coming on as well. Um, and the last thing, Matt Millen back in the booth. So um, Matt Millen has obviously gone through a lot of health issues, uh, had some surgeries, been battling his way back, and he's back in the booth uh, for the first time calling the Penn State game. It was, it was a pretty emotional sight, you know. Yeah, I love Millen, so it was it's cool to see him back. Yeah, so, so awesome, and, and wish him uh, and his family obviously all the best and hope he stays healthy for us. Um, but I think that's it from blue and white. Uh, oh, last thing, Garrett Taylor. Um, this is nothing about the game, but he did a, a Instagram takeover for Penn State's account, and they've been doing this a couple times, which I think is really cool. Um, I did a little cut up of when Fryermuth took over because they do it for the whole day, so you get like seven minutes of content. No one's gonna sit there and watch that. I'm here for you. I cut it down. Still need to do the one for Garrett Taylor, but if you're interested, check him out. It's on our Twitter. Um, I'm rambling a lot, and uh, that's all I got for the blue-white game. <laughs> any, uh, any closing thoughts on blue-white? Uh, no, I, that, that's all I got for, for football, you know. Cool. So we will uh, we'll get a, a little bit more football talk after wrestling. We got some Twitter questions, so we'll get back into those sort of end of the show. Um, but I talk about burying the lead with the Tommy thing. I'm really, really burying the lead here. Yeah. Penn State Wrestling is national champs, huh? Absolutely. Um, actually, real quick, before we get into wrestling, because as you guys know, we're primarily football, secondarily wrestling, but this is a Penn State sports podcast, and we got to shout out our performers all across Penn State Athletics. Let's do it. Allie McHugh, national champion at the 1650 freestyle, Woo! which, first of all, amazing. Secondly, is a grueling sport. This is a 15-minute swim that Jesus. she put together. 
She swam freestyle for 15 minutes, 39.22 seconds, won by five full seconds. Five seconds is a lot in yeah. swimming. So great performance. Like, super, so proud of you. Allie McHugh, way to go. You're a badass. You said 15 minutes? 15 minutes. I don't know if I could tread water for 15 minutes. Well, I mean, like, it's a th- over a thousand yards. Yeah, I, I don't think I could just, like, stay in a pool and stay floating for 15 minutes yeah. while, like, kicking my legs. Allie McHugh, you're, you're a legend. You're a badass. You're a legend. And then also, Penn State men's gymnastics, Big Ten champions. Hey! Way to go, Big guys. Ten champs, nice. You've always been the champs of the, uh, the Thon uh, yeah, <laughs> dance-off. Yeah, they win it every year. It used to be football, but recently usurped by uh, Penn State Gymnastics. But way to go, guys. Congrats. Nice. Okay, Penn State. um, Now on to the greatest sports dynasty in college. How about of all time? Not yet, because I think Oklahoma State wrestling back in the day won like 30 straight national championships. That's too far far ago. It was like the 40s, though. There were like six teams. Yeah, we're going with recency bias. We're going with Penn State <laughs> wrestling. All right, so it's been a while. Uh, yes. This actually happened, what, three weeks ago, a month ago? Yeah, it happened in late March. Okay, so about about a month ago, and again, I'll take that L. That's on me for not, not getting these out. But uh, if you're a new listener, Pat is our wrestling expert. Um, I think I probably do a little bit more of the rambling on the football. Pat will take us through everything that happened at NCAA championships. Pat, take it away. All right, we're going to start at 133. We had Roman Bravo Young, true freshman what? phenom. Um, round of 32, there's each weight class, 32 people. And then it, you know, works in a bracket style, just like every March Madness. Um, round of 32, eight to two decision, Roman Bravo Young. Then we get to the round of 16. He faces off against Austin DeSanto from Iowa. Kitty has struggled with, loses seven to two in a very controversial bout where, uh, Roman looked like he had a takedown at the edge of the mat. It got taken away from him. Uh, at that point, I think it was, um, I think he was only down by two or three, and then DeSanto gets a late takedown to get the five point victory. But it was it was very controversial. Um, then he drops down to the consolation side, comes up against I believe fourth seeded Mickey Philippi from Pittsburgh, a guy who everyone thought was would be would beat. RBY, Roman comes out with the four to three decision. Nice, big time. This is what got him to his All American status. This win right here. He unfortunately drops his next two matches. Uh, a major decision uh, to Ernesti from I believe Missouri, and then in the seventh place match loses a tight eight to five match against Ethan Lezak from Minnesota. But Roman Bravo Young, true freshman at what was by far the hardest weight in the country this year, and a lot of people think the hardest weight like ever in NCAA history, takes eighth place. Great accomplishment. That's pretty damn good. Yes. And, and remind me, you said All-American is what, the top eight guys? Top eight. Okay. So yeah, did hey, just what he had to. That's incredible, man. Good for him. Shout out RBY. Absolutely, my man. And then we move up to uh, 141 with Nick Lee, uh, a kid who we were, we were really, had very high hopes for him. Um, so first match, Gets the pin at 3 minutes, 38 seconds. Awesome. Uh, round of 16, another pin, 3 minutes, 34 seconds. Pin state. That's right, baby. Then we move. he goes into the quarterfinals, gets a tight 4-1 to one victory over uh, Max Murin from Iowa. Moves on to the semifinals where he's up against Joey McKenna from Ohio State. Mm. Now, he beat McKenna in dramatic fashion in the dual meet between Ohio State, then lost a very tight one in Big Tens. In the Big Ten Finals, I believe mm-hmm. it was. Um, he drops another really tight 4-3 to three decision in the semifinals. Oh. 
I know. It was a tough one. And then falls down to the uh, consolation semifinals, where I think he was just facing like a little bit of hangover from the last match and dropped another match, 13-9, to uh, Dom Demas from Oklahoma. Kid he really should have beaten, and I think he just didn't wrestle his best. But to his credit, Nick Lee comes back in the fifth-place match, and instead of like continuing that downward trend, picks up the pin against Mitch McKee from Minnesota, 3 minutes, 22 seconds, to get fifth place. Nice. So Nick Lee is a true sophomore. Second season in a row, he takes fifth place at Nationals. You know, it's it's not as well as he would have hoped he had done the season, but you, you're not really upset with a fifth place finish. Yeah, you're an All-American. Yeah. That's pretty damn good. Cool. And like you said, I think that's probably, yeah, like you just lost. And it's not like he lost early on. He lost in a semifinal. That's yeah, got to be. He just lost. That's got to be mentally draining. A tight match. To, and it was a rubber match of a, of the season yeah. and a guy he's always struggled with and he kind of should have won mm-hmm. and he just, he couldn't pull it out. And so I, th- I think it was, there was just like a little bit of, yeah, that's good. It's gotta be tough mentally to like, okay, now let me go fight for fourth place or fifth place, whatever it is. Right? Exactly. So, all right. Hey, you're an all American bro. Good shit. And then, uh, at 49, we had Brady Berge, a bit of a disappointing tournament out of him. Unfortunately, he won his first match six to three, uh, round of 16 drops a, a pretty cl- close match to uh, Matt Kolodzik out of Princeton, 8-5, to five, and then loses his third match, gets booted from the tournament. Mm. That's a tough one. Did, you know, didn't make All-American, but as a true freshman, he came in, he had a solid season, dealt with a lot of injuries, but he, he was a solid performer. Was it was the expectation going into this that he would get All-American, or was that more he of was, like a He stretch? was a borderline All-American. Okay. It, was, it could happen, uh, an upset here or there, and he could finish very high. But there was there was hope that he would, but it would, certainly wasn't definite. And I'm sure too in this in this would you say round of it starts at round of 32. 32. I'm sure there's a lot of you know impact on how the all the other matches shake out too, right? I mean, yeah. like who you end up wrestling in the second, third, fourth round. You know, you may or may not be prepared for, that. and of course you want to be prepared for everything. But sometimes you're gonna yeah, draw you, you, a you, you never know who you're gonna end up wrestling, right? Um, and I mean, I think he was like the tenth or twelfth seed. Okay. So it he wasn't. Fringe, yeah. yeah, and so we move to fifty-seven with Jason Nolf. Of Nolf. course, um, you guys all know the outcome, I'm sure, but I'll give you the, the round by round. Uh, round of thirty-two gets the pin in forty-two seconds. <laughs> yep, it's comical. It's great. Uh, moves on to the round of sixteen where he wrestles John Van Brill from Rutgers, the kid who injured him last year and nearly derailed his hopes for the national national championship. Is this the kid who called him out? No, no, oh, that's later. Kid. Okay, got it, later. got it. Um, Nolf gets the tech fall 19 to four at six minutes, 47 seconds. Then we move on to the quarterfinals, uh, gets another tech fall 23 to six, right at the seven minute mark. And then this is where it really got interesting. Um, semifinals, Jason Nolf comes up against Hayden Heidley from NC state. Nolf beat Heidley in the finals last season. I believe it was five to nothing, Mm. uh, with the injured knee. Oh damn. And so you thought this match wouldn't be a problem. Nolf won it three to two, and to be totally honest with you, he should have lost. Wow. Um, they took a takedown away from Heidley in the beginning of the match that would have given him the victory. Now, of course, that that was a a first period takedown, so the whole match then would have changed. Yeah, yeah. Nolf would have wrestled much differently, I'm sure. But like, if you look at it just straight score wise, Heidley should have won that match. Damn. And so that was that was something really disappointing to see. I, Obviously, still happy that he won, <laughs> yeah. but it wasn't, especially with Jason Nolf, who's been so dominant 
and you know people were talking about if he would come in and pin his way through the tournament. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't how you wanted to see him win. Sure. Uh, but then we move on to the finals where he wrestled Tyler Berger out of uh, Nebraska, the kid who, you know, hopped on Twitter uh, like a month or so before the NCAA tournament and was like, you know, I'm getting off social media, uh, NCAAs, I'll be coming for scalps, and that includes Jason Nolfs. Like, what is your mindset when you type something like that? Like, literally, you go Clown. to your computer and you type something. Like, I'm listen, I get trash talk, I get for that, but like, even if you win, like, what's the value? Haha, look, I tweeted it. Like, you just put such a target on your back. Idiot. I'm so happy he lost. So happy. Yeah, he, he got majored 10 to 2. It, yeah. was, it wasn't close at any point. Nolf took care of business. Uh, anything that, like, he didn't look great in the semifinals, he put that to bed against Taylor, uh, Tyler Berger and just, uh, he embarrassed the kid. How much do you think that was in the back of Nolf's head? Like this kid called me out a lot. Yeah, I think I think a good amount. Because um, because Nolf strikes me as sort of like a level-headed guy. Like you know, he definitely just, is. Just gets his business done. But like someone calls you out by name, it's gotta be because I think they asked him about it in like the post game or something, didn't they? Did you um, see that? I don't remember if they asked Nolf about it. They asked uh, Berger about it. Okay, and he was like, oh, you know, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> not I was like, I don't know. Idiot. Maybe not call it one of the best college wrestlers of all time. Unbelievable, Jason but, Nolf, you're a badass man. Love it. Absolutely. So that was that was our uh, our first champion of of the tournament. Actually, technically, it wasn't, but weight wise, it was by weight class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not going chronological here, people. We're a month late. Okay, yeah. bear with us. Uh, so then we moved up to sixty five with Vincenzo Joseph, your Vincenzo. returning two time NCAA champion. First round picks up the pin in uh, three minutes. Round of sixteen gets an eight to four decision. Then we move on to the quarterfinals where he wins a three to one decision over Isaiah White from Nebraska. In sudden victory overtime. So a really tight one. Yeah. They were tied one-to-one going uh, at the end of regulation. And then, I forget how long in, but Chenzo got the takedown in overtime. And the way that works is, you know, sudden victory, first guy to score, wins, boom, over. So yeah. that, was a, that was a tough one. <laughs> uh, then he moved on to the semifinals, uh, faced uh, Joe Shields, I believe his name's Joe, uh, from Arizona State. Pulls out another tight victory, three-to-two. Um, it was one of those, it, Chenzo seemed to be in control of the match the whole time, but just wasn't super active. Mm. Uh, but, you know, he he took care of business, he won. And then uh, moves on to the finals, he wrestles Makai Lewis out of Virginia Tech, who pulled up a pretty big upset over Alex Marinelli out of Iowa, the only kid to beat Joseph, uh, in who's active in college. And so I thought, after Marinelli went down, I thought Joseph... Has the tournament locked? He's yeah. he's a three-time NCAA champion. Chenzo dropped a seven-to-one decision against Makai. Uh, turns out this kid's an absolute fucking animal. Did this kid just come out of nowhere or what? I think he's a freshman. Okay. Um, and so th- this, I'm, I'm I'm not gonna make this prediction because I think Chenzo's gonna come back next year and win NCAA championship. But this has the um, the sort of shades of what Chenzo uh, did came in uh, and twice in a row beat a two-time NCAA champion who won it his freshman and sophomore year Mm. in Isaiah Martinez. And now this kid comes in as a freshman and beats the kid who won his freshman and sophomore year. And, you know, they'll likely be wrestling again next season. So luckily for us, you know, Chenzo's in the best wrestling room in the country. He's only going to get better and better. Yeah. And even the guys who graduate, like Jason Nolf and Bo Nickel and David Taylor, they all still wrestle at Penn State. So he's just he's only going to get better. 
Yeah. And I, Chenzo's going to have this marked on his calendar. Oh, He's going to have this guy. So, we're, you know, and he knows how to take care of business in the finals. Yeah, that, that's crazy, though. Time is a, is a flat circle, huh? Just, yeah. Was, you win two, you get knocked off by someone. That guy wins two, gets knocked off by someone. It was, it was one of those things that was, it was, that was a really tough match to watch. I yeah. couldn't believe what I was seeing. And especially how dominant it was. Like, Chenzovich wasn't close at any point. Yeah. And obviously, this kid, like you said, kind of came out of nowhere. He's a freshman and just is a badass. But when you see a guy who's, you know, kind of struggling match after match in the tournament, do you typically see that as like, eh, it's not really going Not well. a good sign, yeah. Because yeah. like you said, it was it Nolf two, one before. Yeah. To have like, two very close matches heading in, you're like, oh, boy. Not feeling Because the competition only gets better. Not trending in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Right. Then we move up to Mark Hall, another... Returning NCAA champ, not from the past season, but the one before that, up at 74. Opens up the tournament with a 10-2 major decision. Round of 16, gets an 8-2 win. Um, in the quarterfinals, gets a 5-3 uh, victory. Then in the semifinals, he wrestles Miles Amin out of Michigan again. A guy who he's wrestled, I think, three times already this season. It's been very tight every single time. Uh, they go into this second tiebreaker. So there's uh, the seven minutes of regulation, sudden victory, tiebreaker one, sudden victory two. Uh, no, tiebreaker one, then tiebreaker two. So wait, um, how do you get past sudden victory? Just no one. No one scores. Point. Got it. And then they go into these ride out periods for tiebreaker where if one guy gets an escape and the other guy doesn't, one guy wins. Okay. So the first two tiebreakers, it's a 30 second period each. Uh, first two tiebreakers, neither guy gets an escape. Uh, second tiebreaker, Mark Hall gets out, is able to hold a mean down, wins a two to one tiebreaker two victory. Jeez, talk about a close one. It was, it, it was, <laughs> it had the blood pumping. Yeah, let me I'm tell sure. you. And like I said, it wasn't surprising that this was a close match because he's every match against Amin has been a close one, but it was closer than one would have liked. So then he goes into the finals against Zahid Valencia out of Arizona State. This is a kid who. Beat him twice last season, including in the NCAA Finals. I remember the name, yeah. This season, um, one, I think the second or third duel meet of the season was against Arizona State, and Mark had a resounding victory where he, you know, it, it was still, I think it was like 7-3. to three. Point-wise, it wasn't a blowout, but he clearly controlled the whole match and, like, was able to hold Zahid down when he was on top. It, it was, a, a, especially for how close they are, was a dominant victory. Nice. Unfortunately, this time, Zahid came out with the 4-3 to three win. You build me up with that great story and then drop that on me? Well, this is how God it works, man. It. This is how, this is how it right. shakes out. 4-3 to three Zahid. And this four is what, semifinals? No, that was the finals. Oh, damn. Shit. Yeah, so, I promise I'm paying attention, guys. Uh, Mark took second. Again, you know, you're never upset with a kid for taking second, but it was, it was a tough, tough pill to swallow to see him go, go up against a guy that you, you, you thought it was, you know, he's back. He's, he's got his number. And Zahid was able to take him out, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think it's a, you know, a testament to just the strength of the program, like you mentioned earlier. Like, you know, best dynasty in college sports right now. When a guy comes in second, yeah, you're kind of disappointed because you expect it to be national champion. Yeah. It, hey, Mark, we still love you, man. Oh, well, we absolutely do. And Mark will be back next season. You know, I, I, he's going to win a national championship next season, as far as I'm concerned. And we moved on to 84, uh, where Shakur Rashid came in as the two seed, I believe. He opened up with an 11-2 major decision in the round of 32. Uh, in the round of 16, he was winning pretty handily, and then I so he he missed a lot of the latter por- portion of the season with a knee injury. Yeah, um, I think he hurt his knee 
in the round of 16 match, ends up dropping it at, at the very end, gets taken down and turned, I believe, uh, drops an 8-6 to six decision to Chip Ness out of UNC, and then lost again after that. Where like I again, I just I think he was, I think he'd just hurt. been hurt too, too badly. I mean, that's gotta that be point. brutal to like either re-aggravate or actually just get injured mid-match. Because like unless unless it's like brutal, brutal, I'm sure they don't stop. Like they finish the match. No, as long as you're allowed to continue, as long as you can continue, you're yeah. allowed to. So I mean, I'm sure these guys are just tough as nails and going through some yeah. pretty painful and, shit. Like, they, it was it seemed very apparent to me that. All of a sudden, he was such a different wrestler. Yeah. And midway through the match. That sucks. Yeah. And plus, he hadn't wrestled in so long. He's not in the best condition. You know, he's, it was yeah. it was a tough situation for Shakur. Um, I believe he's back next season. Uh, he was granted, like, a, a red shirt from previously. So I'm pretty sure he's back, and we'll be looking for him to All-American next season. And we move up to, uh, you know, the face of the program, Bo Nickel. The hair of the program. 197. Opens up the round of 32 with a pin at 2 minutes 33 seconds. Boom. Round of 16, pin, 2 minutes 36 seconds. Boom. Uh, quarterfinal round, major decision, 14 to 4. Boom. Uh, semifinal round, gets a, another pin against uh, Brucky out of Princeton, 4 Boom. minutes 40 seconds. And then comes up against the finals, Colin Moore again. Uh, Bo, Bo won the match 5 to 1, of course, we all expected. He, he wasn't quite as active during the match as you would have liked. Didn't wrestle his best. But the fact of the matter is he came out with the win. He's a three-time NCAA champion. One of the greatest careers in college wrestling history. And was your Hodge Trophy winner, the, uh, you know, the Heisman Trophy of wrestling. This is, the, this is the best wrestler in the country. Incredible. And I, I can't wait to see what he does. Did you see the breakdown of the votes for, what is, what is it, what trophy? The Hodge. Hodge Trophy? Yeah. It wasn't even close. It, it wasn't. It wasn't as, I'm pretty sure it was him and Nolf that got him all and Nolf. Of the votes. Yeah. And it was pretty distinct between Nolf and him as well. Yeah. I think because of that semifinal match that Nolf had. Right. What happened ended up being the deciding factor. Yeah, um, I think I, I think I looked it up. It was like he had gotten, you know, 80-something percent of the votes. Nolf got something else. And then the last, like, minor percentage was people that actually voted for them to split it. So, like... Well, and, and there were two other kids who got something. I know, but still, <laughs> the, the overwhelming majority is yeah, Bo Nickel. It, it, like, wasn't, it wasn't close at all. Cool. It wasn't close at all. Shout out Bo Nickel. And then we had... So, they actually... In, in our order, the last guy, but the guy who was actually the first one to wrestle in the finals, Anthony Kassar, up at heavyweight. Great story. Oh, incredible. First round, round of 32, pin, 4 minutes, 20 seconds. Round of 16, major decision, 10 to 2. Uh, quarterfinals, gets a, a tough decision out of uh, over a Hilger out of Wisconsin, 4 to nothing. Still looking solid. The big match was semifinals at a, uh, against Gable Stevenson out of Minnesota, the true freshman phenom, the guy who everybody thought was going to win, was going to be a four-time undefeated NCAA champion, who Anthony Kassar beat tight in the Big Ten Finals. Anthony comes out with a controversial 4-3 to three victory to move him on to the Finals. Um, to be honest with you, it, it's I have a hard time remembering what the controversy was. I mm -hmm. think it was the timing of an escape that Stevenson had that would have changed riding time. Okay. But either way, you know, Kassar, they, they reviewed it. Kassar got the call. That's it. Move on. Yeah. And so we move on to the finals against Derek White, the only kid who has beaten Anthony Kassar this season, beat him in the finals of the Southern Scuffle. I think it was 3-2. to two. Kassar comes out, majors him 10-2. to two. Damn. Is your 
NCAA champion. You know, this is a kid who's never been an All-American before. He'd never even competed in the NCAA tournament before. And he comes out his senior season, and he wins. Incredible. Yeah. Absolutely I think he, he might end up getting another year of eligibility as well. I'm not sure if that's been decided yet, but mm-hmm. I hope we get to see Anthony again. I hope we get to see him win another national championship. But, I mean, just an incredible season out of Ant, the champ, Kassar, Rocky Hill, New Jersey, my man. Legend. He was the one of the Big Tens, right? Calm down. Calm yeah, down. I'm, I'm the, the champ. champ. That's right, baby. What was your realistic expectation for him coming into NCAAs? Uh, I, I was really hoping he'd win. But I wouldn't have been surprised if he took third. Okay. There was no way he was going to finish worse than third. But anywhere between that would have been realistic. Yeah, yeah. Ant the champ. Congrats. Ant the champ, baby. Okay, so we got three national champions. Yeah. So uh, we had seven All-Americans. Nice. Which, out of nine guys competing. Pretty damn good. And out of ten weight classes. Pretty damn good. Pretty great. We had an eighth, a fifth, a first, a second, a second, a first, and a first. I'll take it. Five finalists, three champs, seven All-Americans. Pretty fucking good. And, and there's d- like an overall team win as there well? There is, of course. Penn State first, 137.5 points. And second place was Ohio State with 96.5 points. Oh, murder! <laughs> it's murder! It wasn't very close. Oh, my God. Penn State locked it up before the final day of competition. It was, uh, oh, it was a rough one. I mean, it's just, it's, I, I honestly don't have words because it's just, it's so unbelievably impressive that they are just. Not not that dominant, but that consistently dominant. It's like eight out of the last nine, just fucking. It's amazing. Just killing people. Okay, so that is the end of the wrestling season. What's what's next? Like, where where do we go from here with wrestling? Um, so now we move on into uh, like senior level wrestling, which is you know Olympics, World Championships, stuff like that. Uh, we've got the U.S. Open coming up, which is important in. So it, it it's very complicated. In order to make the United States World Team. You have to win Final X, which is a uh, two-man best-of-three matchup. Now, to make it to Final X, um, if you were a world medalist this uh, the year before, you get an automatic berth to Final X. You're the one one of the guys in. If you are at a um, a weight class where there was a world medalist the season before, what you have to do is you compete in the U.S. Open. If you win the U.S. Open, you get a bye to the world team trial finals if you then win those trial finals then you become the other guy in final x so now following we, following yeah. I'm, I'm doing the visual math but i'm following and if you're at a weight where there was no uh medalist the year before from the u.s if you win the u.s open you get a berth to final x and then you go up against the guy who wins the trials got it then is the other opponent in uh final x so who of our guys are either in that are going to be in that. Uh, so David Taylor, world champion of uh, 2018, has an automatic berth to Final X. Other than that, everyone will be competing at the U.S. Open. Okay. Um, so at, I'll give you. They they came out with the pre-seeds for the tournament today. So at uh, 61 kilograms, Nico Megaludis, one-time NCAA champ, for Penn State. Uh, he's going to be your one seed at 161. Wow. Now there is a automatic Final X berth at 61. So Nico will have to win the U.S. Open. Well, he don't have to win the U.S. Open. But if he wins the U.S. Open, which he should, number one seed, he will get a bye to the finals of the World Team Trials. If he wins that, then he gets to compete against Joe Cologne at Final X to be a World Team member. Nice. That'll be huge. Yeah. So then we move on to uh, 65 kilograms. 
We've got Zane Rutherford as your two seed and Frank Molinaro as your four seed. Uh, Frank Molinaro has been a world team member in the past. He's never medaled, uh, wrestled for third at the Olymp past Olympics, but lost. Um, we're, we're, Zane is our uh, our big hope here. Yeah, he's here. the guy. Yeah, three time NCAA champ. He's he's a stud. Zane train. Yeah, and so this is actually this is one of the weights where there is no world uh, medalist from the U.S. So the winner at the U.S. Open at 65 gets an automatic berth to Final X. Oh, nice. And the 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 real test for Zane is going to be Jordan Oliver, a fellow three time NCAA champion out of Oklahoma State. And a guy that Zane's never been able to beat before. Never? Yeah, he's wrestling yeah. some tight matches, but Oliver's always had his number. But we're hoping. Zane's been training all year. This is going to be the time he finally pulls it out. And then we move up to 70 kilograms. Uh, also, no medalist from the uh, previous season. We've got Jason Nolf as a four seed. Okay. And that's a little low. Yeah. It's a little low? A little lower than, you know, as a guy who's a three-time NCAA champ. All right. But he's just starting his international career, that's so that, say, that's yeah. why. Um, and the, the big test there is going to be James Green, the world team member who he is a past medalist but just didn't do it last season. Uh, but I And he's, he's beaten off fairly handily in international competition in the past. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. But I have I've very high hopes for Jason Nolf. I think he'll make it to the U.S. Open Finals at the very least. Yeah, it'll be cool to see how, you know, as dominant as he's been at Penn State, how does that translate to the next yeah. level? And so I, I think what the the realistic assessment of what this what could happen here is this is, again, another weight where if he wins the U.S. Open, he automatically goes to Final X. Nice. Now, I think we'll be seeing Nolf in Final X regardless because if he doesn't win the Open, I think there's a good chance that he wins the, the World Team Trials. So I'm okay with that. Seeing Jason Nolf in Final X, huge possibility. Yeah, that's awesome. And then at uh, 92 kilograms, we got Bo Nickel coming in as the two seed. Now, this unfortunately is not a weight with an automatic berth to Final X. So Bo will have to win the U.S. Open. Oh, because there's a medalist? Yeah. Got it. Uh, so if Bo wins the U.S. Open, that means he gets the bye to the World Team Finals. And then if he wins that, then he'll be in Final X competing against Jaden Cox from Missouri, 2018 world champion. Damn. So it's going to be a tough uh, one. It's a tall order. But, you know, there's um, one, two, there, there's five different weight classes where we could see guys from Penn State as world team members. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And now we switch to kilograms because the rest of the world's on the metric system. And yes. we're, just, we're the only ones that do pounds. Exactly. Fucking assholes. I know. Um, I don't know if that assholes is directed at us for not being with the rest of the world or the rest of the world. But either way, it makes my brain think. Here's of course. It. And you, by the way. 65 kilograms. I'm like, what the fuck? By the way, shout out to my buddy, Tom Trulio, who is, he's my wrestling expert. And uh, he's the one who explained, helped me understand the breakdown between Final X and the team trials and the U.S. Open. Yeah, that's a doozy. Like I said, I, I, if, if you guys could see us recording right now, <coughs> Pat's explaining that and doing the hand motions. And I'm just kind of blankly staring like, yeah, yep, I think, yep, okay. Yep, yeah. got it. Hopefully I was able to explain all of this without being too boring or too dry. No, I think, I think we get the gist of it. And, you know, like I said, you know, this is fairly new for us. We've been doing wrestling for a little bit now. It's, yeah. you know, I think I think there's probably a vast majority of our listeners who are bigger football fans. But the hope here is that you're educating us a little bit. Like I said, I'm, I am a fan. I am nowhere near like an expert or, or know enough yeah. about the sport. So. Like the, the big um, sort of... Um, implication here is that Penn State as dominant as we've been as the college wrestling team hasn't seen a lot of uh, the senior level international success. I think David Taylor was our first world champion 
possibly ever. Yeah. I mean, I remember when he won it was last year. Yeah. I remember that was a big deal on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it'll be, we're really looking to see our guys, you know, become world medalists and Olympic champs and things like that to really even f- further cement the the dominance of Penn State wrestling. Yeah, definitely. I saw at the end of the season, uh, Flow Wrestling, uh, I've started following them at, Flow wrestling, at your recommendation. Uh, they would put out like a lot of hypotheticals. It was like Jason Nall versus this guy and it's some you know USA team member. Yeah. Bill Nickel versus this guy. And you just read some of the comments like, yeah, no shot. Nickel's getting pinned. And I'm just like, ah, now we'll get a chance to see. So pretty so, cool. Um, anything else for the wrestling world? Um, so the, the Bo Nickel is going to be a very interesting career to look forward to. Uh, he's recently announced... He's going to try to make the Olympics in 2020, and then after that, we'll be transitioning to MMA. No way. Yes. Oh, that's sick. So that'll be very cool. First of all, it is going to be a very tall order for him to make the Olympics in, uh, in 2020. That, uh, that general area is just stacked with world champions yeah. it, from the United States. So <laughs> that, that'll be it. You might gonna, see him in the octagon sooner yeah, later. It's, it's going to be a tough one for him. But, you know, if anyone can pull that out, it's fucking crazy-ass Bo Nickel. That's but, awesome, man. Yeah, he is. He's uh, he's on another level. Yeah. After 2020, we're gonna see Bo Nickel beating the shit out of dudes. That's fucking awesome. I I would I just yeah, as technical as he is and as dominant as he is within like the confines of wrestling, to see like a much less. I mean, obviously there are rules in UFC, but for the lack of it, you're you're just yeah. beating the shit out of a dude. So. And he's such a just a creative like athlete in general. The way he wrestles, it'll be fun to see what he can do as a striker and just the. Also, he's not a really. Uh, intimidating looking guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how many people are going to go in there just not expecting much out of him right. and he's just going to be tossing people? Well, I'm sure he'll have to like train to get into that shape too and he'll probably end up looking a little bit more ripped. Than, sure. yeah. Yeah. But either way, here and over there, Penn State Wrestling, national champs. Shout out to all those guys and shout out to Pat, our wrestling expert. Uh, if you guys like the wrestling content, give us some feedback. Um, like I said, this is something new we're trying, but I personally enjoy it. I'm learning a lot. I've, I've watched some. We haven't watched a live yeah. match, but I've seen some. Um, and give Pat a follow. His Twitter handle is in our bio. Check him out. And, uh, you know, if you've got any suggestions for ways I can make the, the wrestling breakdown a little more exciting, a little better for you, feel free to tell me. Definitely. All right. Uh, let's wrap up with just a couple of quick hitters. So we've got, uh, we've got some Twitter questions. We've got a couple of, a couple of other football minor topics that aren't, aren't quite enough to talk fully about. Um, so we'll just go through them and uh, we'll, we'll get your thoughts. You know, let's start with the Twitter questions because that'll, that'll spark all some right. debate. Um, all right. Uh, I, don't, I don't have these in any particular order, so we'll bounce around a little bit. Uh, we'll start with CJ Goon, uh, follower of ours. He's, he's written in a couple of times. He has two questions. Um, because I've posted this many times because we were supposed to record many times. <laughs> uh, first one, what position group uh, do we have questions about? Do you think that has the best chance to surprise us positively next season? Who? Um, well, the one I have the most questions about is easily the offensive line. Um, however, I, I think they're least likely to positively surprise me, unfortunately. <laughs> you, are, you are a big pessimist about the offensive line. I, I mean, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, and I don't. And I'm not trying to sit here and bash, you know, Penn State athletes, guys that I'm huge fans of, but it's just it's been unfortunately the way the the team it's been the obvious weakness of our team for quite some time now. Yeah. Um, well, I'll answer the question this way: If it is the offensive line that surprises us the most positively, that will definitely have the biggest impact on the team. Yeah. Um, if they're able to be, I would say, if they're able to be consistently above average, I don't think they need to be elite. 
I don't think they need to be like best in the country. They can be consistently above average, especially with a brand new quarterback and some young running backs. That if, will be if they huge. can just compete with the the top teams, and you know, just not get beat badly by those. Because that's unfortunately been the real bugaboo of the offensive line. Hasn't been they're just getting killed all the time. They take care of business against the teams that they're better than. Yeah, It's those really, really good teams, the best teams in the country, who come in and just really control the you know, the fight in, in the trenches. Yeah, great use of the word bugaboo as well. I don't, that, that's probably a first for us. Um, there, there's but a couple different I'm going to go with the wide receivers, though. That was, uh, God damn it, that was going to be my answer. <laughs> See, this is, this is why I ramble, because i got to get it in. I, I think it is. So so before we, and we'll, we'll get into the wide receivers, before we go into that, I think there's a couple other position groups um, that there are probably some questions on. I see a lot of people talking about the, D, the DNs as like, a lot of people are saying they're going to be amazing, they're going to be best in the country. Like, I don't think that's one that we have questions about. I think I think Eter is going to be incredible. I think yeah. Shaka is going to be awesome. I think some of the young guys are going to get in there. I think that one's pretty universal. Like, hey, DNs yeah. are going to be pretty good. Um, I feel really good about our secondary. I feel very comfortable about our linebackers. Oh, like, I like our linebackers. There's a lot. a lot of depth there. So yeah, I think the one you talk about questions is the wide receivers. Like, you lose Jawan Johnson. Yes, he had trouble, but he was a veteran presence. You lose DeAndre Tompkins. Same thing. Like a guy who showed he can be really, really good. Your most experienced wide receiver right now is KJ Hamler. Yeah. Like, and just the problems with the drops, new coach. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of steaming question marks. Yep. But I I I like I like what we've got going with these wide receivers. I agree, and and I think they are going to surprise us positively. So you, your expected starting three is going to be Hamler, Shorter, and Dotson. I like um, I like this new coach too. Our new yeah. wide receivers coach. I like the look of him. Yeah, I like him too. Uh, Jared Parker. Uh, yeah, and this is you know third wide receivers coach in three years. So you go from what was it, Gaddis to Corley to Parker. Uh, you lose some veteran presence. You've got Hamler, Shorter, and Dotson as your probable starters. Uh, Matt Kippenhammer's in there. A couple of the young guys that signed um, you know, in the last class or two will probably get some play. But but I think you see Justin Shorter take a big step this year. Uh, he was, you know, a top 15 overall talent last year, like number one wide receiver on the board. A lot of people expected him to make more of an impact as a true freshman. Um, there were some lagging injuries. Uh, there were, you know, some some adjustment period from high school to college. But kid's super talented, and I think he steps it up big time. Uh, we saw flashes of Jahan Dotson. I think if he is in a starting consistent role, you'll see him progress really quickly. And then we all know what KJ can do. I, I think if you – if you figure out how to build him into the offense the way he should be, he's unstoppable. So I, I, I'm very, very excited about the wide receiver group. And that actually brings us into our second question from CJ Goon. Uh, who will finish with better wide receiver stats? Chesna? I think it's Chesna, the guy who just got the scholarship. Mm-hmm. Or both grad transfer wide receivers combined. So if you don't know, we got two wide receivers transferred in. We got George Campbell, who was a five-star in high school, uh, coming into us from Florida State. And then we get Weston Carr, uh, brother of Austin Carr, I think, who was Mm -hmm. an NFL talent at one point. Um, Comes to us from a D2 school, but has some pretty solid tape. Uh, So the question is, who has the better season or who has better stats, Chesna or both of those guys combined? Short answer, I've got no idea. (laughs) Long. (laughs) Making me die over here. Only slightly longer answer, I'm going to go with the two guys combined. Yeah, (laughs) it's, it's... I mean, simple math tells you two should should have a better chance than one. But the real answer is you have no idea how any of these guys are going to play out. I think I pick the two because while Chesna is an incredible story, 
I think he'll be really good for the locker room. I'm happy he got a scholarship. And he is a speedster. Like, he looked good, you know, in the blue-white game. It takes a lot to go from walk-on to, like, full-on contributor. Yeah. I mean, the dude George Campbell, again, was a five-star. He's battled And I, I've got a lot of hope for that guy, actually, yeah. Campbell. If he can stay healthy. If he can get healthy, I think he can be, if not a starter, the fourth guy, right? Like, yeah. That, that's the expectation when you bring someone of that caliber in. And then this dude, Weston Carr, like, again, it's it's D2, so it's a different level of competition. But he's got some good tape. Like, I, I could see him making a decent impact. So I take my chances with the two over the one. But if Chesna has a Agreed. couple of cool moments, that's that's cool too. Yeah, you know, I, I don't hate that. I've actually I've got a question for CJ Goon. Are you the Goon of uh, formerly a Penn State player of Letterman's the State College? If so, we have met on a couple of occasions, and you're a great guy. Thank you for listening, and uh, for, and for writing in. I love the interest. Really, Int- CJ Goon. Okay, great tipper, by the way. Hope you're that guy. If not, keep writing in. We really appreciate it. <laughs> um, all right, next one. This is kind of a kind of a moot point at this point, but I uh, wanted to bring it up just because they were nice enough to write in. Uh, Chris, spelled with a K, Penn State fan eight. As before the news said, how short of a leash should Stevens have with plenty of young talent in the QB room? I think it's going to be pretty short. Young guys quickly if he <laughs> struggles. And then obviously after the news, uh, Chris bumped this and said, hey, wanted to bring this back up. Do you think this was part of why Tommy's transferring? Because he would have had a short leash and, and Sean you know, fought for it. I think we've answered this, but but anything else to add on that one? Yeah, I'm going to go with the pretty short leash. Pretty short leash, yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty short leash. Um, but staying, it, it was a good question before. Yeah, it was a great question. And before all that a, went down. Probably wouldn't have been a good debate. Uh, so thank you, Penn State fan 8, Chris. Uh, next one, Jeffrey Wallerser Jr., our homie. Uh, first of all, shout out to Jeffrey Wallerser Jr. Uh, had a couple of Game of Thrones tweets last night that went... Semi-viral. Really? Um, yeah. Had a boy. Yeah. Had one that got like 2,000 likes. Um, Ooh. Have you seen Start the- bumping the podcast. Let the people know, Jeff. Yeah, man. <laughs> have, you- <laughs> have you seen the video? It's like the dude in the black tracksuit, and he walks into the room, and he's like eyeing everyone down. You've seen Brent it. Brent Winterfell. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. No, he's, he's like uh, the ghost of Ned Stark uh, wanting to have a word with Gendry. <laughs> that was really fucking funny. That's a pretty good one. Uh, pretty good, Jeff. Pretty good. Uh, and then he had another one that was really good of like... Uh, uh, it was a WWF uh, clip of someone pushing a guy in a wheelchair and just pushing him off the edge. And it's like when they need to sacrifice Bran for the Night King. Very, very funny. Darren Lee, linebacker for the New York Jets, retweeted it. And that's how oh, I wow. saw it. I saw Darren Lee and I was like, wait, Jeffrey Wallace. I know that name. So, Jeff, nice. shout out to Jeff, you. Jeff, a boy. Shout out. Um, but his football question is, the schedule is pretty brutal. Can Sean Clifford lead us to 10 wins? <sighs> oh, boy. Um, I ten wins, I think, is a tall order this season. Um, I'll, I'll put it, if the over under was at ten, I'd probably bet the under. However, Sean Clifford's a kid with a lot of upside. Uh, you've seen like just the long balls he can throw. Um, he's got tremendous talent. I think, and I do think we're going to see a, a huge uptick in our wide receivers this season. But. but the questions on the offensive line are what really uh, want make me say no to this, uh, especially with a young guy, first time starter. Um, when especially uh, you know against Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, if he starts seeing a lot of pressure from teams like this, I don't know how many of those games he can pull out. Yeah, and because he's got to beat at least two of those to win ten games, I think. Yeah, 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 hundred um, percent. I haven't broken down the schedule, so I don't know what kind of stretches we have yet. Um, but 
Yeah, I think the answer, and, and I hate to like walk the middle line. I feel like I do this a lot. But the answer is we have no idea. Yeah. Like can he do it? I think he can. Is it realistic? Not extremely. Yeah, and and but that's the challenge. It's like we've seen him in such limited action. We've seen him in these, you know, ones and twos where he throws bombs and everyone gets excited. Did the ninety-five yarder to uh, Danny George, a wide yeah. receiver who I didn't shout out earlier. Sorry, Daniel George. Um, it was beautiful, right? Like all the long pass to Polk was beautiful. But again, it's it's how can he one manage a game, run the offense, be a leader, and react to. Yeah. When things go wrong, right? There, that's, there's that's certainly a part of me when you say, like, can Sean Clifford win a, lead us to 10 wins? Oh, hell yeah. There's a huge part of me that's like, fuck yes. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to run through the brick wall for that kid. <laughs> but then there's the other part of me. I'm like, okay, this is his first but time I'm like, starting. All right, if I had to it's bet money on it, would I? Uh, right. No. Right. <laughs> and, and there's a lot, um, I think right after the Tommy news broke, there was a lot of articles about, you know, what does this mean? You know, where does Tommy go? What is this? And then, like, maybe 24 hours passed and all of the articles came out of here's what Sean Clifford brings and here's what his high school coach says about him and here's what his friends say about him and like I love that and it's really cool and it's really cool to get excited about but again it's like you don't know yeah. the kid the kid was super talented in high school uh, they said he was his high school's first ever two-time captain and they had some other like NFL guys that have gone through that apparently that high school like you only get a shot to be a captain once mm-hmm. so I guess he was the first ever two-time captain they loved him as a quarterback and as a leader that much like, can he do it? Yeah, I think I think that's the reason we're having this conversation. Like, if Franklin and company didn't think that he was at least competent enough to be the starter, I think they would have given Tommy, like, hey, it is 100% your job to lose, right? Like, yeah. you, it's your job if you're healthy, and then, like, put the onus on Tommy. Like, hey, you're going to be healthy or not, you know? Like, if, if they weren't at least confident enough for him to be a above-average starter, I don't think we're having this conversation. So... Yeah, I, I think he can lead us to ten. I think, like I think you said it best. Is it realistic? Probably not. Like you know, I think a, a nine and three and eight and four is is realistic. Especially with such a young team. Yeah, of course we're gonna root for fucking undefeated national championship. That's what we do. We root for Penn State. Yeah, but realistic, probably not. Um, next one. So the themes for twenty nineteen came out. Um, Whiteout is Michigan uh, in mid October. Classic. So we got a question from our friend at Buckeye Blitz, formerly the Urban Renewal. Mm. Um, I wonder why I changed. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no idea. <laughs> no idea. Um, he tweeted us and said, what's your thought on it always being Ohio State or Michigan? Feels like they could just announce it for the next five years already since the schedules are out. Um, my, my thoughts are, I, I, I understand that like it makes it a little less exciting when it you know rotates between one or two teams, but you know what make it even less exciting? It was... Purdue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was actually a good conversation. So it was, uh, it was, it was Buckeye Blitz and then uh, another follower, Jason Gibb. Shout out Jason Gibb. The three of us were kind of talking about it. And yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Listen, those are going to be our biggest games of the season. Yeah. So you want it to be the biggest game. What I thought was interesting, um, Jake, I think is his name, Buckeye Blitz. Yeah. Sorry if I'm misremembering that. You're the only one who's spoken to him. Shit. So. Sorry, Jake. Um, if that's your name. But he, he said like, you know, Ohio State players at this point, like, that's all they know when they come to Happy Valley. So it's almost, like, desensitized. Like, he's like, you don't need that for Ohio State. Like, you know, and he's been to the whiteout a couple of times. So he, he's felt it. He's like, you know, it's almost, like, not as much of a shock for Ohio State players because that's what they expect, yeah. which I thought was a decent point. Um, to your point, obviously, we're not going to do it on, a, on an opponent that we should blow out. That's yeah. not what you use it for. 
I think. You know, I, like if maybe if one season, if Northwestern was like the you know fifth ranked team in the country, we'd do it for yeah, them. Yeah, I think. I think just, as times change, right? As as teams get better, you'll see it. I think. I think the there's going to be eras of whiteouts where it's one and two teams. Yeah, exactly. I think the only other two that I'd really want right now would be like Iowa or Wisconsin, because yeah. um, I think those are always like high energy games. Michigan State maybe, but they keep beating us, and that pisses me off. So oh, like, I just want to, I just want to get back bitches. to beating them, and then we'll worry about holding yeah. out. Um, but the other one that that we talked about, and I think Jason uh, Jason Gibb brought this up, would be uh, it would be cool if we had a very strong non conference opponent. Um, yeah. You know, if you have an Oklahoma come in, or if you have you know a, you know a big time non conference, the only person we haven't coming in in the next like six years is Auburn, and Auburn's good, but eh. That, that's like five years from now, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it depends more. on what they look like. Yeah, true. I'd, yeah, I'd certainly be interested in, you know, yeah. a whiteout for an Auburn game would be awesome. Right? And I think the, the only other challenge there, though, is aren't non-conference games always at the beginning of the season? Yeah, but still. Could you imagine, like, a whiteout in week two? That, I feel like that would be kind of weird. There, there was a part of me that thought that, like, oh, it's a little early for a yeah. whiteout. Yeah, like, like, for me... Why does that matter? Because <laughs> well, whiteout is mid-October. It's cold. Yeah, People are excited. It. It's football weather. I you know? get it, but I think it would... I don't... That's one of those things that you. I think you're overanalyzing it, if you if that makes a difference. Yeah, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I think, like, if we got a top non-conference program, Auburn, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, like, one of those, like... You know, traditional blue buds, that would be really cool, too. Um, but for now, yeah, it's probably going to be a rotation of Ohio State and Michigan, and then yeah. maybe... The fact of the matter is, it really just deserves to be the biggest home game of the season. Yes, 100%. And, yeah, like, yes, people should get up for big games either way, but, listen, if you've been there, you just know it's just different, you know? Yeah. It is just different, and it's fucking awesome. If you haven't been there and you're listening to this podcast, I don't know why, you need to get to a whiteout. Um, other themes have been announced. We're doing, I think, the stripe out again. There's a, um, they're honoring the a 94 team, I think it is. There's a bunch of them. Take a look. I, I don't get like too hyped about all the different themes. It's the whiteout. That's all you need. Yeah, the whiteout's the big one. That's the other ones are cool. The stripe out looks really cool. Stripe out does look really cool. I, I went to one of those a couple of years ago. I took my little brother to his first Penn State game ever. Went to, uh, I think it was Rutgers, and they crushed him. It was awesome. Course. Awesome. A um, couple other quick hitters. Uh, really cool article on Trace McSorley from Kimberly Jones at NFL.com. If you haven't had a chance, read it. Really, really good article. Um, nothing we don't already know. Nothing that hasn't been said. It's he's a warrior. He's a winner. Can he be successful in the NFL? Um, but I thought she did a really good take on it. Where a lot of them is the same, you know, tired, you know, analysis. But um, she had some really good quotes and and you know uh, sentiments from from players, from friends. Uh, interviewed Drew Brees for it, which I thought was cool. Um, he said he didn't know McSorley personally enough, so he commented just on the situation of being a short quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was really interesting. So uh, we had we have the NFL draft coming up this week. I think round one is Friday night. Is it this week? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I think round Ooh. one is Friday night, and then the next rounds are Saturday, Sunday. Um, so we are actually going to have a guest on post-NFL draft, good friend of mine, Andrew Porter, um, sports writer, radio host, analyst, whatever you want to call it, uh, over in Philadelphia, Penn State grad as well. He's going to join us. Um, we'll talk through kind of everything from where our guys landed, so stay tuned for that. Um, and let's see what else. Uh, recruiting update. So I missed a couple. I was at Coachella. I don't know if you heard. <laughs> uh, we had two more recruits commit over the weekend. Cole Brevard, four-star defensive tackle, and R.J. Adams, three-star offensive guard. 
And then we just got another one today, Nicholas Dawkins, three-star offensive guard. Um, so the 2020 class is up to nine guys, continues to go. Um, it's funny, we, we talked about this a little bit off-air. You see people in, whenever Franklin tweets, we are better, you see people like, why the hell are we signing all these three stars? And one dude, I'm sorry, I'll pull it up. I'll give him a shout out next time. He replied, and it was really funny. He's like, yeah, screw that. We don't need a two-star Allen Robinson or a three-star Trace McSorley. And just made me laugh. It's like people get so spoiled with like, oh, we got five stars. It's like, dude, one, rankings mean nothing for the most mm-hmm. part. Well, they mean something, but you can't, you know, they're not letter of the law. And two, this is a 2020 class. Like many, many of these three stars will turn out to be four and five stars and you'll be happy. So not to mention like the the five stars for 2020 won't commit until like national signing. Exactly. Day, yeah. There's like a small handful of them that commit early. Most of them wait till. Also, these are like the meat and potatoes guys that fill out your lineups. Absolutely. You, know? you need them. You need them. So welcome to all three of those not, guys. Not every. I don't care what team you are. If, you, if you're Alabama, not every guy on your team is a standout star. Yeah, can't be. Like you need guys who are just good, solid players. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, speaking of good, solid players, Jawan Johnson had a highlight uh, touchdown catch at Oregon Spring Game. Shout good out to Jawan. Uh, same thing. Very, very funny on Twitter how sad some people are. It's like people are like chirping Jawan Johnson. It's no, like, come on. Man. It's like, dude, he's, he's moved on. He's at another school. Just enjoy it. Just yeah. like, and like uh, Audrey wrote an article of like, hey, you know, if you're interested, here's what Jawan's doing at, at Oregon. And many people were like, uh, we don't care. Uh, quite frankly, no one cares. Shut up, dude. Like, if you don't yeah. care, move on. I Just think it's cool on. to see him ball out. Yeah. yeah. I hope he does well. Absolutely. They, you know, they got their quarterback back. So uh, it'll be interesting to see that. Um, a couple of other transfer transfer portal notes. We haven't talked about the transfer portal in a while. Um, there's still a couple of guys on our team that have declared but haven't found a home yet. Uh, Tommy Stevens, I don't know if you heard about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, uh, Brandon Polk, I haven't seen land anywhere yet. Wide receiver. Interesting. He hasn't been playing with us, not that I know. He hasn't been at spring practice. Like, that's kind of – like, for the guys that declared early, I figured they would have landed yeah. somewhere. For Tommy, not really a rush right now. Like, he'll get somewhere before summer practices start, but he can probably take his time a little bit. Um, but I thought that was super interesting, Brandon Polk out there. Um and, and Franklin continues to say that he wants to get more transfers in. So keep an eye on that. Um, should see, I would say, before summer. I, w- I would guess two more. Um, I think we have the scholarship head, heads. I haven't done the count, but I'm pretty sure we do. Um, so keep an eye out for that. And last topic. We're going to get back to it. The Jonas Brothers, man. Yes. Like, I, I, I joke about it at the top of the show and kind of like I'm, I'm fully aware that I acted like a 13-year-old girl on Twitter. But it was really cool. It was really cool. Oh, it's super cool. If you didn't follow, uh, Barstool Sports was doing a best bar in America. And for Champs college. got fucking robbed. Champs was our our uh, designated bar for Penn State, um, and we were going into the Final Four uh, when we learned, or we were in the Final Four, I think, whatever it was. We learned mm-hmm. that Joe Jonas, famous of the Jonas Brothers, is apparently a huge fan of Champs. Yes, bar. he is. I was there the first time he showed up at Champs downtown. Really? Yeah, that's pretty cool. He's unannounced. Uh, yeah, Thon Weekend came. And he performed. They performed at Thon. Oh right! And right. so they came to Champs downtown and did like a DNCE, did like a five-song set. That's super cool. It was awesome. Okay, all right. That makes me understand a little bit more of why he loves it because everyone was trying to figure out like what's their affiliation. I forgot they performed. At I Thon. believe the manager of the Jonas Brothers is a Penn State grad. Yes, that is a hundred percent true. They grew up in Jersey, and uh, when they played this this you know a couple of weekends ago, uh, I think it was Nick. He's like, we didn't go to college, but if we did, it would have been Penn State. 
Yes. Really fucking cool. So yeah, they so we're in this we're in this contest. Joe Jonas is tweeting about it and basically like said, I have a surprise up my sleeve if we win or something like that. So we won we won just the final four. Like we didn't win the whole competition. We, we came won, in second. We won just the final four. Which is ridiculous. And unannounced all three Jonas brothers and their wives, who are Sansa Stark, Sophie Turner, uh, Priyanka Chopra, who is one of my favorite actresses, and Kevin's wife, who I don't think is famous, but you're beautiful and I love you. Um, all six of them, private plane, hop to State College, go to Champs downtown. The line was insane because people started getting So I believe this it. was during the final four matchup they did this. Yeah, yeah, To, yeah. to get the win. To, to get the win, yes, the you're right, you're right. Um, so people got wind of this. The line is insane. People are waiting, uh, and they show up and they just put on a concert at Ben State, which is insane because these guys like sell out arenas and they're yeah. at Champs downtown, and it was electric. Guess who was there to announce them and bring them on stage? James Franklin, Coach maybe. James Franklin. Like what? You got the wives up in like the rafters. James Franklin announcing them, giving them all jerseys. They play a bunch of songs. It's on Instagram Live. Everyone's going nuts. And then they just hang out and drink, which I thought was the coolest thing in the world. Like the whole bar is chanting, Lady Stark, Lady Stark, as she's pouring Don Julio into some dude's belly button. Could you imagine being that guy? I thought it was into one of the Jones Brothers' belly buttons. I think it was a random dude. Oh, I mean, the girl took a, a body shot off, and I don't think the Jones Brothers are that down. I mean, maybe they, they could are. be. Maybe they are. They could be. But could you imagine being one of those people? Like, yeah, I was at. I went to Champs on a random Friday night, and Sophie Turner, you know, poured a body shot into me, and you know, I danced on on the bar with Nick Jonas. Like, that's fucking cool. So, and by the way, guys, um, I like I, I said, I used to work at Champs downtown. I know probably most of us listening to this are alumni. There's not a lot of alumni connection to Champs, uh, the downtown one at least, because when we were all there, it was a Chili's. Right. Champs down, guys, give it a shot. Champs downtown. Is not just like the coolest bar at Penn State I've ever been to. It's probably the coolest bar I've ever really? been to. I've never been. It was it was yeah. after my time that it, it uh, switched from the Chili's. Yeah. It uh it fits over a thousand people. Wow. It has fifty five beers on tap and like some a great selection of beers. Um, awesome layout. It's two floors. The bottom floor has like eight pool tables and the walls are just completely lined with pinball machines and old school arcade games. I'm talking Pac Man. Dig Dug, wow. Donkey Kong, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Big Buck Hunter. It's got everything you want. If you stop selling. I'm in. It, I'm in. It is an awesome bar. And I know that the line is, anytime you're there as an alumni, the line's going to be insane to get in. Sure. But give that bar a shot. It's so fucking cool. That's awesome. Hey, champs, if you're listening and want to, you know, sponsor a, a local podcast, yeah. like we're we're available. We'll we'll take we'll take free beer. That's cool. Um, actually, Penn State fan eight, Chris, one of our uh, frequent commenters, uh, when I dropped the announcement of the whiteout, said live podcast on campus that weekend. Mm-hmm. Champs, if you want to have an event, oh dude, we will podcast from your bar, promote the hell out of it, and have a great time. Jeff Chen, I put the onus on you. To book us. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. But long story short, it was a really cool moment. I think the Jonas Brothers randomly showing up at Penn State. And that's like an affiliation now. Like, confirmed. Jonas Brothers are Penn State fans. No, we didn't win the damn contest. But I think we won the war. Like, yes. it's pretty safe to say. Uh, but that's all we have for this episode. So, uh, as I say at the end of most of them these days, 
a lot to talk about because we haven't talked in a while. I know. Uh, we will do one post-NFL draft. Like I said, we got our buddy Andrew Porter joining us for that one. Um, and then we'll, we'll try to keep it semi-regular until the season starts. Once we, once we get to summer ball, it becomes a little bit easier to, to be regular. Yeah. Um, let us know what you guys want to hear. We appreciate you listening as always. Pat, any last words for the fans? Just thank you guys so much for the feedback, for listening, for everything. We love it. We are.